0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Well, sorry, good afternoon. I lied. It's afternoon. You're one of your... We are those people, right? You went to church in the morning, stayed so long, it became the afternoon, right? So we kind of cheat a little bit. We start 10 minutes before, or quarter till, although some people, that means 15 minutes before, just making sure that quarter till thing makes sense. Anyway, hey, how y'all doing? Uh, <laughs> well, hope you're doing well, and uh, welcome to church. I, man, I, I just I hope today that someone here... Uh, and if not just somebody, I pray all of us have a whole new perspective. Part of the worship, I almost wanted to say much, tell everybody to stand on their seats and just stand up. Uh, and you say, why? Because I just feel like the Lord said, I want to show you a new perspective. I want you to see from a different place. I want you to see from from not from where you've been. That's a new horizon. Where you've been standing, you've been seeing the, the the line, the tree line this way. But I want to raise you higher and see something altogether different. And so uh, um, we didn't have you stand on your chairs because that could be a liability and a danger. And uh, uh, I, the Lord would, would protect. But man, I don't know when you leave here today. I pray you leave and see things differently. Amen? That God give us a whole new, fresh perspective. Um, so glad to see you. I, I want to give just special uh, honor and recognition to our brother, Jack. I know we're friends, so you'll have to forgive me already. I didn't ask permission. But your birthday on Tuesday, and I'm just going to say it because you are faithful and here, 83 years old, serving Jesus, sitting in church every Sunday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jack. God bless you. What a, what a brother. Just a... Uh, and that's so so inspiring, and uh, love uh, love the house of the Lord, love what we get to be a part of. Speaking of honoring, um, man, I I don't know if you know this, but our our junior Bible quiz team, JBQ, uh, they competed yesterday in uh, their first match of uh, junior Bible quiz, and this team, our faith kids, took first place. Uh, they they quizzed out. They've done, they're, they're hiding the word of God in their heart, growing, and uh, just so grateful for the, the leadership there and excited for what God is doing, and uh, 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 shared, uh, uh, we, we learned this week within the, the youth ministry that there was a student who had uh, made a, a comment this week, just a, a testimony, sharing what God has done. They had uh, had suicidal thoughts, came to youth group, connected at youth group. One of the youth leaders prayed with them, and their report is they have not had those thoughts ever since, because that is the power of God, the love of Jesus Christ. That is what the power of the gospel, it sets people free, amen? It's a new horizon. Maybe you should stand on your chair. I don't know. I'm just kidding. uh, God, give us a new perspective. Well, um, we're so glad you're here. We are uh, wrapping up our last week of prayer and fasting. Our 21 days uh, will will be this last week. We'll wrap that up on Sunday. And and if you've been able to participate or or maybe it's new to you, this is a a week. It would be great to kind of join in. It will lead into our refresh weekend, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday uh, uh, here in our morning services uh, we're going, going to conclude our our weeks, our 21 days of prayer and fasting with communion next Sunday, and so I, just so significant. As we uh, gather as the body of Christ in remembrance of what Christ has done. Because how many know we have nothing except for the work of Jesus Christ? It's because the cross of what Christ has made possible. We have hope. We have salvation. That's why we can sing. Hello, peace. Hello, hello, f- uh, love. Hello, hello, joy. It's a new horizon. I don't know all the words. I just know they're in there. So uh, it's still a new song to me. But how many, how many know it's good to learn new songs? It's even good to sing new songs, write new songs. And um, you can write your own songs. Other people might not want to hear it, but you should. It's, it's okay. Hey, uh, I want to look in Isaiah chapter 38 as you're looking there. Uh, our series called Pure Fire, uh, our theme verse out of Levit- Leviticus chapter 10 verse 3. Uh, the Lord says, I will uh, display my holiness upon those who draw near to me, those who come close to me, and I will display my glory on, uh, uh, to all men, to all people. And so that's been our prayer in this new year, just believing this is a year of display, God displaying his glory. And um, I, I want to look in Isaiah 38 and from this premise and, and recognition that in order for the fire, pure fire, to burn brighter, to burn hotter, it needs to be stirred. It, something needs to be in motion. There needs to be a stirring in the fire. And um, uh, in order for us to come near God with pure fire, we've got to make sure that we're burning with the right stuff, that the, the, the right things that were burning uh, the right things or were moved by the right things. Uh, I want to look at the life of Hezekiah. He's the 14th king in, in Judah's history. And uh, Hezekiah, a prominent king, led for 29 years uh, as king of Judah, at this time as he's king, the, there's the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom. This happened because of rebellion, discord, and so now you have the northern kingdom. Israel is divided. The northern kingdom is Israel, uh, and their uh, uh, capital being in Samaria. You've got the southern kingdom, which is Judah, the smaller kingdom, uh, their capital remaining Jerusalem. It's still the line of David uh, that is sitting on the throne in uh, in in uh, Judah and Hezekiah is the 14th king leading during that time, and uh, I want to uh, look today at uh, Hezekiah's life as we uh, really challenge ourselves in order for the fire to burn pure that we're moved by the right things. And uh, let me just give you some key points to Hezekiah's story to Hezekiah's life. You can find this in Second Chronicles chapter. 28 to 30 in that range, and then also in Second Kings chapter 16 to um, 19, uh, even 20. And then Isaiah is where we're gonna look. And so you put all these pieces together and we remember that the Bible is not written as a story. Uh, it, it is all compiled to be the story of Jesus, the promise that he is coming or that he will come. And then in the New Testament, the evidence that he did come and who he is. Uh, but, but the scriptures are written in different points, perspective. And uh, this is Isaiah's writing of, of Hezekiah's time as, as ruler. And then you've got Chronicles, which which... Give the Chronicles of Kings. Then you got Second Kings, commissioned by the kings to tell of the king's reign. And so you put all those together. It's kind of like a, a a witness that when you have an incident, you ask people to give a witness. You ask people to to give their testimony. And when you do, you don't typically just take one testimony. How many know you take? the testimony of people involved to get together and hear from their perspective to get the whole story. And that's what we can do with the life of Hezekiah. So it's not, uh, it's not all just in Isaiah, but it really points as Isaiah is the prophet during that time. Here are the key events. Hezekiah becomes king. He's 25 years old when he becomes king. Uh, as he is king, uh, he cleans house immediately. He cleans the house, restores worship. Um, idol worship had set in, so he cleans house, restores worship. After that, the next key thing that happens is Assyria, which is the empire that reigns at that time. Assyria is threatening to come in and take over. Hezekiah calls upon God for help. God delivers Hezekiah and delivers the, the people of Judah. And as a result of that, or, or after that, then Hezekiah is ill. He comes down with a death uh, 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 a, a deathly illness illness, sickness. And so Hezekiah is in this condition. This is where we find him in Isaiah 38, verse 21. Why don't you stand with me? And uh, so he has already seen uh, Assyria taken care of. And I want to just look at these, um, these verses into all of chapter 39. It's only eight verses, so it'll be fine. Here's what it says, Isaiah said to to Hezekiah's servants, make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover from this this this, uh, uh, deathly ill sickness that he has. Hezekiah will recover. And Hezekiah had asked, what sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord? No answer. This is the only place we see this. Isaiah is the only one that records it, because Isaiah was there, present. He's the one having the conversation. We don't get a reply he says, What sign will be given that I will go back to the temple? We go into verse 39, or chapter 39. Soon after this, after his sickness, we know because of the events of time that all of this happened in the same year. Assyria uh, is over, Syria threatened, Syria is taken care of, and then the sickness happens and he's healed, all in the same period of time. It says, soon after this, Merodach Baladin, son of Baladin, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah was very sick and that he had recovered. Hezekiah was delighted with the Babylonian envoys. You got to understand here, we hear Babylon, and we're like, ooh, Babylon. Hezekiah and the people of these this day did not we're not aware of Babylon. Babylon was the small kid on the block. Babylon did not have any power, did not have any rule. Babylon was not what we know it. Assyria, you had Egypt, you had Assyria, but Babylon had not yet come on the scene. He says here that some, uh, the Babylonian envoys, uh, he was delighted with their envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses. He showed them the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see the armory and show them everything in his royal treasuries. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah the king and asked him, what did those men want and where were they from? Hezekiah replied, they came from this distant land called Babylon, this small land What did they see in your palace, asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own. I showed them all my royal treasuries and everything. Verse 5, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, listen to this message from the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace and all treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. He's already predicting what is going to happen in Jeremiah's time, and we, we know of this exile. He says that all the treasuries will be taken, everything that you have, nothing will be left. Verse 7, some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you have given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, King Hezekiah was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. I hope that line grips you. I hope that that rings to you and says, wait, that's not right. There's something wrong with that. At least everything will be good in my lifetime. Father, I pray today that we would allow the fire to be stoked by the things that matter. God, that we would allow the pure fire to burn. So, Lord, search us. God, I pray that you would would work in us. And, God, by your grace, minister that, Lord, uh, we would be moved by the right things. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? On your way being seated, tell your neighbor, I am stoked, stoked. Um, I want to just share from that title today, stoked simply meaning this, to stir up, to supply fuel or to feed abundantly. The question we'd ask is what feeds the fire of your life? What is it that, that, that we are stoked? What stokes the fire? There can be different things that can stoke the fire. How many know there's things that can stoke the fire of anger? There's things that can stoke the fire of passion. We can become uh, um, in a place of, of just overwhelmed and rage. There can be a fire that is stoked, but that the fire of God would be stoked the right things of God, that we would not have the wrong fire like Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu, as we looked at last week, had the fire that was not from the altar. They created their own fire. They created their own fire, and in doing so, it was profane. It did not honor God. It cost them their life. We have a little bit of that situation here. Hezekiah is on his deathbed there's some things that may cost him his life Uh, and Hezekiah is is in this moment of of coming to recognition if we're going to have pure fire what you what you and I realize is this that what feeds the fire will determine the purity of the fire. Whatever feeds the fire will determine the purity of the fire, and so what is it that we're feeding on? There are many things that can hinder pure fire or or worship, a heart of worship in our lives, and we could look and say, you know, the things of worldliness, the things of carnality and just the evils, the things that are in the world, but the greatest thing that will affect the pure fire burning in our life is self, and every single one of us deal with it. Every single one, wherever you go, there you are. Whatever condition and and situations that that we are sometimes our biggest hindrance, we deal with ourselves. Now, before this disappoints or discourages or totally blaws anybody out. It's just the reality that we are people who are fully dependent upon the grace and the work of Jesus Christ. It's, it reminds me what Peter said to Jesus. When Jesus said, unless, uh, unless a, a, a man, uh, they, they lay down their riches and go through the eye of a needle. Unless, you know, unless all this happens, you know, who can be saved? Who, you can't even be saved in these, these standards. And so Peter asked the question, then Lord, who then can be saved? Who's able to be saved? Peter's reply is, what is impossible with man is possible with God, that God has made it possible. And so therefore, that God has made it possible for us to have purity, not because of what we do, but because he has taken a coal from the altar of God, the fire of God, and the coal has touched our lips. And because we are cleansed by the work of Jesus Christ, the fire of God, we are only cleansed because of Jesus Christ at work in our lives. Now we do good deeds, but we don't do good deeds to become holy. We do good deeds because we are dependent upon God. The evidence of of a life well lived or a godly life is not good behavior but holy dependence. The evidence of, of a godly life is not good behavior or, or, or a life that is, that is well-lived or, or lived in righteousness is not, is not good behavior, but a life that is solely dependent upon God. It's in our dependence upon God that good behavior is produced. It's this dependency that we become dependent upon God on a daily basis. This is why Jesus uttered the word so crucial, so important that we must take up our cross daily. Not every Sunday when we go to church, not just in a moment when we, you know, have a special time of prayer and fasting, but every day, take up your cross daily and follow him. It is a daily process of laying ourselves down. It's a daily process of dealing with the self that is inside of us. Each and every one of us deal with the the self that is in us. If pure fire is, is going to burn, then we've got to be careful that we are being stoked by the right things that are in our lives. Hezekiah is the best king who has ever served up to this time, well, until David. He's from the line of David, the 14th king. He is, he is a great king. The scriptures even say of how significant he was as a king. He comes onto the scene, and he comes at a difficult time. There are two main issues that he gets the moment he becomes king. He takes over from his father, who was not a good king, and Hezekiah, at the age of 25, is dealing with the onslaught or the threat of Assyria that is a rising empire, wanting to overtake. That is one issue, but the the greatest issue is inside his own kingdom and that is that pagan worship and idol worship is rampant. They have shut the temple. They're no longer honoring God. They've even brought idols into the temple. There's this worship that is established that they are now participating in what their neighbors do. They are sacrificing their children to the God of Molech. They're taking their young kids. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgraceful what is happening in this time. They are worshiping uh, the same things that, that other nations would worship. They've taken on their gods, and they're trying to have this mixed religion of still having God of their own. And here's how they attached it: they they had this this uh, this pole that had a snake around it. This was God's plan for them back with Moses. There were people who were sick in Moses' day, and God said, "Take a, a out of bronze, make a snake around a pole. Lift that snake up, and look upon that snake, and they will be healed." It happened in Moses' day, and and which, by the way, that's why if you look at the medical symbol or ems they have the the shield and then it has the snake around a pole it's because it goes all the way back to healing identified in moses day here's what god said that is a mark for them to be healed in that moment but what did they do they started worshiping that 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 pole they started worshiping that pole with the snake on it even though it was something god gave them they are now worshiping and it's not what god intended they have gone far away from god hezekiah becomes king and he cleans house He puts things in order. The Bible says the first month he gets right to it. 25 years old. 25 years old and he starts saying, no, even the things that my father did, we're not continuing that. We're tearing down the high places of worship. We're establishing the, the place that honors God. And he set things in motion within that first four years. The worship is restored and established back to to, uh, Judah. He's recognized as a great king. In fact, the Bible says this of him in 2 Kings chapter 18. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was none like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with Hezekiah. And he was successful in everything that he did. He had great success until the 14th year. The 14th year hits, and all of a sudden, there is a turning point. Something happens in the 14th year. In the 14th year, it was the invasion. Everything happens in this time. We know from putting 2 Chronicles, Second Kings, and the timeline, we know we put all this together. And in the 14th year of his kingdom, he confronts Assyria he calls out to God God gives him victory over Assyria and he comes down with a sickness all in this year and in this year it it occurs this situation that takes place here, he comes with Assyria, and Assyria comes knocking at the door and says, "Hey, we're the we're the big kids on the block. We just overtook the northern kingdom, which means the next kingdom that's after the northern kingdom is the southern kingdom. That's you, Judah. We're coming at your door." The king of Hezekiah shows up and he sends messengers with a threat and says, "We're coming after you. Don't trust in Egypt. We already took care of Egypt. Egypt was the world power. Egypt has now been taken care." by Assyria, you have nothing to hold on to and don't even think your God is going to help you. Hezekiah cries out to God and when he does, Isaiah comes with a message and as Isaiah comes with the message, he gives him a sign. He says, and this will be a sign that God will deliver you, that God will cause you to have victory. He tells, uh, he tells Hezekiah, don't even worry, that God is going to take care of the army. He's going to send the king back to where he came from, and his, he's going to get killed by his own people back where he comes from. This was the message from Hezekiah, through Isaiah to Hezekiah that God is, is announcing. He says, and this will be the sign. The first year, you'll eat the fruit that is here, the second year, the fruit that comes from that. And in the third year, you will have roots that will grow deep and you'll reap a harvest. Here's a sign. Well, it happens just the way the Lord says. Except that before it happens, the king comes back with a letter. And the letter is this this letter of threat saying he's going to overtake. What is significant is that Hezekiah takes the letter. And the Bible says he doesn't even open the letter. He takes the letter into the presence of God and lays it before the Lord. And as he lays it before the Lord, he's, he's saying to God, God, you know the threats. You know what is coming. God, you're able. And he puts it before God. Can I just say some of us need to quit reading the mail that the enemy sends us? some of us need to quit reading the mail that the enemy tries to bring and telling us what, what he's trying to say. It's, you're never going to be healed. You don't have what it takes. I'm going to overtake you. Your family's not going to be saved. We've got to quit reading the mail and instead of opening the mail, we've got to take in the presence of God, take captive those thoughts that lift themselves against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here, Hezekiah takes the mail into, into the Lord's presence. The God, speak, God speaks this word of, of deliverance and it happens just like God said, just as Assyria is about to come in and take over. The Bible says that the Lord sent an angel and that night defeated a majority of the Assyrian army. The Lord did it. And then as a result, the king of Assyria gets a message that he's needed because not only does he have problems here, but there's problems back where his home is, so he has to go back there. When he goes back there in his palace, his own sons kill him, just like the Bible said. Here is Hezekiah taking it before the Lord, and the Lord fought his battle. The Lord sent the angels to give victory to overcome, and then the Lord even caused his own people to take him out. Can I just say to you today, your God knows how to fight on your behalf. He knows how to fight your battles. He know, don't read the mail that the enemy is bringing, and all of this happens. Here is now Assyria is put down by the power of God, but guess who gets the credit? Hezekiah. You're the small kingdom. Does it sound familiar? A small kingdom takes out a giant. Does it sound familiar that a small kingdom that is smaller than the northern kingdom, smaller than other kingdoms around, even Israel by itself, you look at Israel today on a map, Israel is small. It's the size of New Jersey. And so the southern kingdom of the size of New Jersey just took out the Assyrians. That is a miracle. But now Hezekiah gets the acknowledgement and the recognition. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, and I believe this is the turning point. 2 Chronicles 32 says this, So there was peace throughout the land. From then on, King Hezekiah became highly respected among all the surrounding nations, and many gifts for the Lord arrived at Jerusalem with valuable presents for King Hezekiah too. How many know success will always indicate what's on the inside of you? Here's what we often think. Well, I don't have to worry about that because that's for the successful people. Because I don't know what you call success. Because it's easy for us to say, yeah, that's for all the successful people, and all the people that we look at and say, we don't know, you know, how they got there, who they are. We look at them. And, and here's the spectrum. Every single one of us will deal with this. But in Hezekiah's case, he found success and it started going to his head. He had pride. Now it's set in, and Hezekiah is in this place of recognition. But can I tell you, it's not just how you handle your success. Here's the other extreme of success. It's how you handle other people's success. How do you look at other people who are successful? Well, how did they get what they got? Who do they think they are? And the moment you see success, how many know it's easy to tear down other people because of where they are? And so to really identify what's in your heart, how do you handle success, not only yours but the success of others? How do you handle when your neighbors have success or have what you don't have or when things go for someone else the way that you wanted to go for you? That the, Am I talking to anybody today? How do we handle success? How do we handle those things? Here's Hezekiah. And he handles this success uh, in a way of pride. The Bible says that soon after this, Hezekiah became deathly ill. After his dealing with Assyria, he becomes ill. And I believe this was God saying, hey, Hezekiah, stop it. I-, I need to get your attention. I don't believe that sickness is always caused from God, but I do believe God will allow things at times, and I believe God will allow things at times to get the glory. I am not going to tell you how I know what God does and what God allows. I have no idea. I just know that he's good. And I'm going to trust him in all his ways. And he will work all things together for good. Because I need a new horizon. Because how many know when it doesn't look good? It's because that's from where I'm looking. It's from where I'm standing, but he'll give a, a new horizon. Here, Hezekiah uh, comes down with sickness, and, and now Isaiah, who is the prophet again, goes back to Hezekiah, and this time with a different word for Hezekiah. He says, hey, Hezekiah, you're, he's on his deathbed. He says, I've been brought with a message. Put your house in order because this illness that you have is going to take your life. God bless you. Walks away. The Bible says that as soon as Hezekiah gets that word, he turns to the wall and he begins to pray. He begins to ask God for mercy. He asks God for, for, for deliverance. He asks God for working. He, he, he begins to cry out to God. The Bible says that he began to weep or to weep, and before Isaiah even left the courtyard, the Lord says to Isaiah, "Return and go give Hezekiah this new message." And here's the message the Lord has seen. Your, has heard your prayer and the Lord is now granting you 15 more years. So the Lord gives him 15 more years because God knows how to answer prayer. He gives him 15 more years and he says this will be a sign. The the sun, the shadow on the steps will move Ten steps backwards or forwards? You get to pick, Hezekiah. He says, send it backwards. And so God says, this is your sign. He offers a sign and says, the, sun will, the, the shadow will move ten steps back, which means there's more time. It's interesting or it's connected to God was giving Hezekiah more time. So he gives Hezekiah 15 more years. The Bible says right after that then, this is where we pick up the story. Hezekiah is promised to, be, to recover. The Lord will give him 15 more years. Here's your sign. The steps, the son on the steps will move 15 steps backwards. And then he says to the servants, what we just read in verse 20, or 21, um, it, it says that to the servants to put ointment on his sores, to put ointment on his sores, and he will recover. Verse 22 then, and Hezekiah had asked, what sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord? I want you to hear this. This sounds so virtuous. What will will be the sign that I can go to the temple of the Lord? Listen, God just gave you a sign that He's going to restore 15 years to your life, and the sun is going to, the, the shadow on the steps is going to push 10 steps back. But now, Hezekiah, it's not enough for healing. He wants to know when am I going to go to the temple? You can easily read over that. It's only in Isaiah that you find it. You can easily read over it and be like, oh, he wanted to go to the temple. No, it began to indicate what was in his heart. And what was in his heart was, I'm not just asking when you're going to heal me. Because what I'm really longing for is when can I get back to the temple and be seen? When, when can I go back to the temple and everybody sees me? Because I'm feeding off of being recognized and noticed because what happened to Assyria has sure tasted good and I've been laying on my deathbed. Nobody knows, nobody sees, I'm in this place and now when will I get to be seen again? And it started to be this sense in Hezekiah that's saying, what about me? How many know we all deal with The what about me question. Everywhere we go, what about me? Somebody gets something, where's mine? Somebody gets recognition. Uh, We're just being honest. You can never be so holy to get to a place that that never crosses your mind. I'm going to say it again. You will never get so holy to a place that that will never cross your mind. You will always be dealing with self on a daily basis to lay yourself down, to sacrifice before God, to allow God to to let those things shift. And here's Hezekiah. He did all the great things, but now he's at a place to say, when do I get to go back to the temple? He already told you you're going to get healed. But he wanted to know when he was going to go back to the temple. And I'm going to ask this question. What are the signs that you're looking for God's promise in your life? What are the signs? Because what is it that we're looking at saying, I'll know that God's work is happening. I'll know God is with me. I'll know that things are good when this happens. What are the signs that you're looking for? Because whatever the signs are that you identify are the things that are important to you. It becomes the things that matter in your life. The signs mark the things that matter. What is it that matters? It wasn't just enough that God's going to recover and make you whole. No, Hezekiah said, when do I get to go back to the temple? When do I get to go back to the place where people recognize me? Because I've been hidden in, on my deathbed. I've been away from people. If you've got sickness, nobody gets around you in those days. You thought COVID was one of those things to separate. That was just the common thing they did in that time. You're contagious. You're sick. You only have a few people there. He said, when do I get back to the temple? I, I want you to, to see. And here's, if you're taking notes, the, the right fire is stoked when we seek first. What is it that we're seeking? There's nothing wrong with signs from God. God will give signs. In fact, many events in scripture are marked with a sign. The Bible says this, and this will be a sign. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He says to Isaiah, this is a sign. God doesn't mind giving signs to you and I. He's a God who does give signs. He's a God that gives us signs. Here's the the difference though. It's one thing for God to give you a sign. It's another thing to request a sign. Signs from God are what to look for. Requested signs are what you are looking for. And here's the thing. Who's setting your horizon? Who's setting what you're looking at? Is it God or is it you? The requested signs are... It's, it's, it's what I need to see what I'm looking for. But when we get the signs from God, when God was dealing with Assyria, he gave Hezekiah a sign and he told him what to look for. And he told him in Isaiah 37, I want to take a moment. Can can we, can I just, I want to encourage you with something right now. Can I just encourage you that God is on display, that God is showing up and doing something already in this new year. You ready for it? I want want you to be encouraged this morning. Isaiah 37, verse 30, uh, the Lord says through Isaiah to Hezekiah, when Assyria is coming against him, he says, here is proof. Here is a sign that what I say is true. Here's a sign that Assyria is not going to bother you. They're going to be pushed back. Yes, they've come to your door. Yes, they've caused threat. Yes, it's been a weapon formed against you, but it will not prosper. Here's your sign that they might come, but they won't overtake you. He says the sign will be this. This, this year you will eat what only grows up by itself and the next year you will eat what springs up from that. But in the third year you will eat crops and har- you, will, you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. Somebody say third year. In the third year, you will have something of, of, of significance. You will, you will build again. You'll rebuild. You'll have life. You'll come back. I, I want to encourage you that God is still displaying. Signs are in place to display the glory of God. When I search after signs, it's about what I'm looking for. But when God follows me, or not when God follows me, but when the signs follow me, it gives glory to God. It becomes the revealing of God's work in my life. He gives evidence, and sometimes you don't see the evidence of God until you step out in faith, and there's a, this place of stepping out in faith. I, I want to encourage you. There is a sign, and, and uh, the, the Lord brought this to me this week as I was uh, just in, in, in a time of, of prayer, and then I, I heard another pastor just say a, a, about praying for, for uh, uh, Damar Hamlin. Now, here's what struck me. What struck me was that all the world stopped. He was making a point that all the world stopped for prayer, that everybody, that prayer was brought back in, and all the world gave ignition, acknowledgement to a man who needed prayer, and they began to pray. Do you know that it was on that day that was January the 2nd, what I think is significant, that we've been praying, and God spoke to our heart that this is a year that he's going to display his glory. On January 2nd, the same day that we and many other churches around the world, within that week's time begin a prayer and fasting some churches are a week, some 14 days some a couple days some 21 days it doesn't matter but in the same moment that the church began to pray God do something significant in this year that night on January 2nd the second full day of the new year on Monday night football in just five minutes left and some in the first quarter the entire football game is stopped because a 24 year old has fallen unresponsive laying on the field for nine minutes for nine minutes is administered CPR and then in the process has is, is brought but then even in trans, in transit to the hospital was having to be given CPR again. Number three this Damar Hamlin is on the field. He is now at a place of dire situation. The entire game is stopped. Never happened before and it became a critical moment. America stopped and America prayed. I did what many did the moment it happened. I lowered the legs on my recline And I leaned in and I began to pray, oh God, do a miracle, display your glory. And guess what? Everybody began to say, pray for number three, pray for number three. On ESPN, there was an analyst who is on the the, the next day. He literally says, the only thing we can do is pray for Damar. In fact, I think we ought to do this now. I don't know if it's right. The other guy said, it's right, it's the right thing. They began right there on National Live Television. They bowed their head and they said, oh God, you answer prayer. We pray because. Because we know you answer prayer. Would you would you protect? Would you comfort? Would you keep? And three days after the incident, the De- Damar then sends a note because he's able to communicate and he asked the question, did we win? Number three was on the ground and number three or three days later came to new life again. Does it sound familiar? I know someone in the room like, that's just a lot of suspicious. That's a lot of coincidence. I want you to know God is not a God of coincidence and in fact, I believe today that he'll probably be at one o'clock in the next 15 minutes it's a very good chance that he'll be at the Buffalo Bills stadium in that place and have some recognition and guess what it needs to be God answers prayer and all glory to God it got me thinking it got me thinking God if it's significant that number three was laying on the field and three days later was able to communicate the entire nation moved to prayer could it be that you already started the year displaying your glory? And then I was reminded, hey, there's something else in Scripture about the third year. And the Lord took me to Isaiah, what I just read. The first year, you'll eat what is here. The second year, you'll eat from that. But the third year, somebody say third year. So then I had to ask myself, God, I believe you. This is, you already told us this is a display. What, 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 what's going on? Third year, third year. I had to ask myself, what was three years ago? <laughs> what was three years ago? what was 3 years ago in fact january 20th 2020 this week will mark the first case of covid in america and how many know the moment that happened then in february the talks of it's in around the world and then how many know the second week of march march 13th everything shut down 3 years ago this week i believe the lord and i just heard the lord speak to me no This is where I'm bringing a display because the first year you're going to eat from what is there. The second year you'll eat from that. But now you're in the third year and there's going to be a crop and a harvest and I'm going to display my glory. And he's putting the church on. I don't know if that encourages anybody else, but that's the word that I believe the Lord has spoken and he's starting it even now. He's starting it even now. And so when you see the report that DeMar Hamlin is on the, the uh in the stadium and wherever he don't uh, thank god for paramedics in fact we ought to thank god right now for all first responders why don't we just do that thank god for first responders but you're not going to tell me that a first responder is enough to cause a man who's laying lifeless for nine minutes to come on back and uh to call a nation to prayer um He made the statement, we changed the world. I don't even know if he realized what he's saying. I pray for his salvation. I do know this, that his aunt attends a great church in Georgia. And so uh, uh, it was uh, her pastor that made it evident that this kid has uh, uh, the gospels around him. I don't know if he's received the gospel, if he's made relationship with Jesus Christ, but he's got an aunt who's a part of a powerful church in Georgia, who the moment that happened started praying and calling for God to do some great things. And how many would acknowledge and say, the Lord has indeed done great things. Right after Hezekiah, so I want to encourage you, God will give signs, and I I want us to see, but we're not seeking the signs, we we seek the glory of God. And um, I don't believe anything of that is a coincidence. And God wants to display his glory. And when we seek first the glory of God, we don't make it about us. Somebody say amen. It's not about you. Hey, Hezekiah, it's not about when you're going to go back to the temple because it's not about you. Quit making it about you. What about me? What about my feelings? What about my, what about my, I don't, what about me? How many know that's the moment the enemy's trying to feed you something? You need to take that letter rather than open it up and read it. You need to take it into the presence of God and allow that to be Adjusted Here, Here's number two. Um, number two, the right fire is stoked when we open up. The right fire is stoked when we seek first the things of God. The right fire is stoked when we open up. Here's the question. What is it that you are opening up to? Hezekiah has the envoy that comes right after the Lord gives him healing. Then comes a test. How many love tests? Hezekiah has a test. Here's the test. An envoy from Babylon, an unknown country, is going to send... Well wishes and greetings. Now, in order for you and I to announce that we're coming, we usually would make a phone call, send a text. But in this time, the way they would know is they would send a letter or a messenger who would go ahead. And so it was likely that a message, well wishes and gifts were sent to Hezekiah, that Hezekiah would have gotten a letter, and the letter would have said something to honor and to give well wishes. How many know that instead of taking that letter and opening it in the presence of God... He opened it right where he was. Let me ask you today, what are you opening yourself up to? You know the fire or, or the uh, wood stove has that damper? You know what that damper does? It gives control to how much air is let in to allow the flame and everything to be adjusted. How many know you and I have control? Look at your neighbor today. Tell him you have control. You have control. You, you have control over the things that... The, that, that are maybe coming to open up. The, the enemy wants to send something, wants to open you up to deceit, wants to open you up to jealousy, wants to open you up to, to uh, criticism, wants to open you up to bitterness. The enemy wants to put those insecurities, whatever it is, the enemy wants you to open up to those things to make it about you. But how many know we've got to not open that letter and, the, and, and just receive that? We've got to take it to the presence of God and allow that to be put in its proper place. What are you opening up to? Because here's the other thing, you can open up to peace. You can open up to joy. You can open up to love. You can open up to the presence of God. What is it that you're opening up to? You and I have control because the fire will be pure based on what we open up to, what we seek first and what we open up to. Here's the last thing. The the fire, a, a pure fire is stoked when we come to a place that we pass on. The fire is stoked when we pass on. Here is the most disheartening statement that is spoken of Hezekiah. He opens up the letter. He lets the, the, the envoy or lets the king come in and see everything that he has, and he's loving it because he gets to show him all that he's got. Let me just show you what I've got. This is human nature, so don't feel bad because it's just human nature. Do you know your favorite English, your, English, your favorite English word is your name? Your name is so important to you. That you hear it even when nobody said it. I remember when I was in school, probably third grade, and the teacher was talking about something and she used the word adjacent. I'm like, she said my name. I walked up to her, asked words. I said, "Miss Miller, why did, you, why did you say my name? When did I say your name? When you were talking about, I remember saying, she said, no, I said adjacent. It means, I'm like, oh, what is that? She taught me what it meant. But even as a third grader, I love to hear my name. Am I wrong for that? No, it's not wrong. It's human nature. It's human nature. It's, it, it, it's, it's human nature. And so here is Hezekiah. How many know it's human nature that we don't mind people saying, boy, you really are good. Raise your hand if you don't mind getting compliments. I'm afraid there's about fifty percent that are dealing with deaf ears right now. So Lord, open their. You no know, kidding, <laughs> I said that earlier. Uh, <laughs> who minds a compliment? I mean, even the people are like, no, I don't want it. Don't tell me. Usually that means say it a little more. Say it a little more. Tell me a little more. What you? Oh yeah. Oh, stop it. Don't say that. Uh-oh shucks no, it's not a problem receiving compliments it becomes the whole thing now whenever it's all about and everything I do there's nothing wrong for being seen because here's the reality the Bible says that, that, that let your good works shine before God that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven let your good deeds be done so they will be, glorify your father in heaven it's not wrong for being seen for go, doing good works it's wrong when we do good works to be seen when it starts coming into, oh, let me show you. Let me let me tell you what all I've got in the treasury. Let me tell you what I what I've got, what I've done. And and here is Hezekiah, and he's in indulging in this whole thing. And then in the word that comes from Isaiah, Isaiah says, These very treasures that you showed Babylon will one day be carried off in the future. In the future they'll be carried off to Babylon, and your own people will be exiled. Some of your own sons will become eunuchs. Okay, I don't want to explain the process of becoming a eunuch. Okay? It just means you are not able to have children. All right? Hezekiah hears these words. All the treasury is going to be gone. Your own sons are going to serve as eunuchs. And what's his reply? The word that comes from the Lord is good. Because he thought in his mind, at least everything will be good during my lifetime. At least everything will be good for me. Is that not a selfish statement? At least I've got... At least I'll be good. See, there's some things that not only we pass on because the way that we handle things today get passed on, but there's a moment that we need to learn how to pass on some things. My, my uh, son and daughter-in-law were on uh, Pictionary, the game show, and uh, didn't even know there was a game show for Pictionary. I knew there was a game Pictionary. They were on a game show, and, and so we're watching them on TV and watching them on this game show, and, and all of a sudden, the one lady, the other team, they have to draw something, and she can't figure out how to draw it, so guess what she said? Pass. She said, pass, which meant I'm not going to attempt that. I'm not going to work on that. I'm going to Pass. I wonder if there's some things in your life today that the enemy's bringing and saying, here's a letter. And some of us need to learn how to say I'll pass. I'll pass. Rather than engaging in the enemy's enticement and what he's bringing. No, I'm going to pass. I, I don't know what it is that you might need to pass on today but maybe there's something for you that you say, God, I need to I need to just surrender today because there's not anyone so holy that they don't have to keep their self in check. There's not one. And that's the daily process. And we don't, and here's the thing. When we walk in humility and honesty before God, I don't need to make it my job to go call out all the other people that need to deal with themselves because what I tend to do when I just call out everybody that needs to deal with themselves, it's just my best way to ignore my own self because if I can call out where everybody else is being selfish, it's my way to justify my own issues. Come on, how many know that's just truth? But whenever we say, God, what is in me? Some things that I have allowed to get to a place that I need to allow healing. Isaiah needed healing from his sickness but can I say to you today that bitterness is a sickness that wants to take your life. Insecurity, anger, jealousy, rage, judgment, whatever. It's a sickness, cynicism, critical spirit. It's a, whatever, it, that if we don't put that in its proper place, the enemy wants us to read that letter. You know what? I want you to read the letter and I want to open yourself up to gossip. Oh, how many know we love to be fed to gossip? I knew that's what they were. How many know we like it sometimes when people tell us, I knew it. I knew there was something I didn't trust about them. I knew there was something I didn't like about them. I knew there was something. How many know we just open ourselves and we're, be honest, we're delighting. Come on, any honest people in the room? We're delighting. Rather than saying, no, I'm going to. I'm gonna pass on that, and I'm gonna take that letter under God, and I'm gonna say, God, uh, show me how to deal with this. Show me how to respond to this. Would you stand with me? I want to sing this song the, the worship team's gonna sing. Believing for a breakthrough, and here's what I I want to just give us a a call today to say to respond to saying, God, I want you to burn pure in my life. I, I want I want to just surrender this to you that, God, if, if maybe it's something you already know or maybe it's something you're not aware of, I don't know, but you're the Lord doesn't have to reveal that you're just saying to God God I want every place in me to burn a pure fire I want to burn in holiness and righteousness I want to burn in a fire for you so I want to pass maybe there's some things here's, here's one of the things how do you know that self is getting in the way whenever you're robbed of joy and peace if your joy and peace is being robbed self is getting in the way how do we know that? because no one can take your joy and no one can take your peace your joy and your peace comes from God and so if you're not allowing that to come from God then you're allowing something else to rob that from you and it's because you're letting something disturb and bother when you need to just take that letter and take it to the presence of God and allow God to work on it does that make sense? so I want to pray today God, let Us be a people who will pass and allow things to burn off. Maybe you're here today and say, "God, I just want you to burn a pure fire in my life." Maybe you know some things already that God would is stirring in your heart that you need to lay down, that you need to surrender, that you need to be okay with. You need to be okay with with maybe you you feel like, "Man, I've I've been I've been in the shadows. When's it my turn?" And you got to be okay. Like David, being okay, being in the field, taking care of the father's sheep because he'll call you at just the right time. Promotion comes from the Lord. Don't make it your goal. Don't make it your purpose. Let it be your goal. God, I'm here. I want to burn for you. I'll burn for you in the secret place. I'll burn for you in the quiet place. I don't need the attention. I don't need the applause. I just want you to get glory in my life. God, get the glory. If that's your prayer, I want you to come to this altar today just as we close in these minutes. And I want you to just surrender that before God. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this together.